Welcome to Get Rich Without Being a Bitch. This is the place to hear real and raw conversations about what it takes for female entrepreneurs to achieve financial success and live a rich life. I'm Vanessa Shaw, author of The Million Dollar Question and your hostess for this podcast. Perhaps I won't actually edit this off the beginning of the podcast. This might be fun, Kelsa. Commenting, yeah. As we just should go, like these are the conversations that we have behind the scenes, right? Mm-hmm. Before we exactly. had the podcast, exactly, because you know we're having them. We're yeah. having them, right? And Absolutely. I was actually saying to you, like, your hair is looking longer. Thank you. Yes, it is longer, and I'm definitely a bit thinner than I have been in the past. So I have that going for me. Your office looks beautiful with your new artwork. So many good things happening. So many good things, right? But I think that's a, that's actually possibly, I'm going to introduce you in a minute, but it kind of that's the backdrop for these conversations, right? You've been investing in, not only do you invest in your business and business growth, but you have been investing in your body and your fitness levels. I have been. I I love investing in sort of like growth and development or sort of being challenged and saying like, how can I make progress, whether that's in business, life, health, all sorts of things. And I felt like that was the one area that had been a bit out of alignment for a little while. Essentially, ever since I had my daughter, I felt like I just kept trying different things and none of them were sticking. And finally decided to invest in a coach to help me and it's working. And now I feel like that was the one missing link or the sort of the weakest link. Like it felt out of alignment from everything else. Everything else was jiving and firing in all cylinders, except for that one thing. And now that one is too. So it feels really good. That's so cool. And we were also talking about, as I say, if anyone's watching this on YouTube, like I was investing in art recently and you'd commented, oh my gosh, I can see your office looks different. And that again, was about just like continually investing in growth and expansion and things that bring me joy and happiness and pleasure. And then the beautiful thing was with this, especially this amazing art behind me is this is a female Canadian artist. So as I, you know, as I've, I've invested in something that's giving me pleasure, I'm in, you know, it feels like an investment in another woman's talents. And uh, she actually then discovered the podcast. So who knows, perhaps uh, Veronique, who's the artist, will actually be listening and watching in. So these are the conversations we were having behind the scenes of Get Rich Without Being a Bitch today. I have Kelsa Dickey with me, CEO and founder of Fiscal Fitness. And just frankly, all around incredible human being, mother to two young kids, amazing woman in business, and really up to, you're up to just so many amazing things in the world of work, Kelsa. But share with the audience a little bit more about, you know, what you do and frankly, why you do it. Yeah, thank you. Fiscal fitness was born really out of a desire to help people with their money. That's really where it just was this really simple desire of like, I just want to help people with their money. And uh, when I was in middle school, my mom filed bankruptcy. And I remember just seeing her face when that happened. And she would sit around the dining room table, sometimes for hours, trying to figure out what was going wrong and how to fix it. And just didn't know what to do and didn't have the tools or the skill set, and didn't have someone to reach out to, to help her. And I just know... I can remember times where she wasn't present because of money stress, right? Like either we were out to eat or at maybe like a softball tournament or something. And the whole time I could tell that she was distracted by worrying about money. And I just thought like money 
affects all parts of our life if we don't have a handle on it. And so I wanted to help people get control of their money so that they could actually focus and give their attention to things that really matter in life. Right. So, uh, fiscal fitness was born. I, uh, help people with their day-to-day finances. So we're, we don't do investments or in insurance. We really help people put a plan in place so that they can stop winging it financially, really help them plan ahead. And by plan ahead, I don't mean necessarily 20 years down the road plan ahead, although there can be a part of it after a while, but the, you know, next week, next month, six months from now, the next year, what are you trying to accomplish with your money? And let's make sure what you're doing today is supporting that vision and supporting that goal. So that's what our focus is today. Oh, so important. You actually said something there that I want to cycle back to because you said, you know, money actually, uh, I can't remember the exact word, but it's kind of like impacts every aspect of your life. And as you said, mm-hmm. you experienced that with your mother growing up and her not being present. There are a lot of people that actually are out there in the world and possibly even listening in that say, you know, money's not the most important thing, right? Money, you know, it's not about the money. And yet I also share that same belief with you that money pretty much touches everything in our life right? and impacts it. But can you share a little bit more around that, like yeah. from your perspective, how does it impact everything? Yeah, you can, in, in some sense, I understand why they say that. Like money by itself is not the most important thing. You can have millions of dollars and be miserable. Absolutely, right? If you, however, have money and you are being intentional with it and you are using it in a way that brings you more fulfillment in life and putting it behind what's most important to you and really thinking through it in that lens, then it can actually just boost your satisfaction overall. It can actually be a tool that helps you accomplish your dreams and live your life exactly as you want to, as opposed to not having tons of options. So one of the things I always think about with money is If you don't have a lot of money, oftentimes the decision you make is whichever one is the best financially. It's either going to cost you the least amount of money or it's going to save you the most money or it's going to make you the most money, right? But when you feel like you're in a good place financially, the financial aspect of a decision is just one factor you look at. You don't weigh it any more heavily or any less heavily than all of the other things. It's just one factor. And the other factors you get to consider are do I want to work on that project? Will that bring me joy? Even if it brings me less revenue, but it makes me happier than another option, let's say for my business that, yeah, this other program I could launch could make me a lot more money, but I don't really have a passion for that line of work. Right. But if you are in need of money, if you are struggling financially, then we put too much emphasis on the financial part of it and not enough on the other aspect of the decision. I love that. As you say, it's like the money side of it and the emotional side, right? Mm-hmm. And often those two do come together. And I've often, I know I've felt, felt for myself, um, you know, I love to spend money. I love to invest in things. I love to, you know, and I love to particularly spend money on experiences, right? Whether it's travel, things that I can do with my kids, things that Robert and I can do, as you say, like investing in myself, right? All of those different mm-hmm. things bring me a lot of joy. Um, and it's not always the fact that I want to invest in the most expensive things out mm-hmm. there. Either. So for example, yes, whilst I might love to travel and there could be times when I want it to be in a nice hotel because I want to be well taken care of and not have a worry in the world. And there are other times when it really could be a weekend off, right? You know, 
I wouldn't say exactly camping. Camping's not exactly my thing. You know, we know me well enough. Let's I was going to say, if you said camping, I was going to be stunned for a second there. <laughs> you could say glamping, okay? Right. They said, like, that would be a more Vanessa thing, right? Yeah. But again, what I want there is I want the choice. Right, exactly. The is it's, it comes back to what I really want to do. And if I've got the choices to really look at, well, it could be this, it could be the other or something in between, I get a sense of freedom and yes. empowerment. Whereas there are times when I remember when we were struggling with money and uh, there was a time when, you know, Robert and myself were in a lot of debt as well and the kids were young and the choices were incredibly limited, mm -hmm. you know, and it was really, yes. no, that's the only path. And, it, and it's true when you, when you yeah. talk about that financial and the emotional, the financial was driving it the whole time. Mm -hmm. It was really around, well, we can right now we're very bootstrapped. That's yeah. all we can do. Yes. Um, and I love that sense of giving us some choices. Yeah. So I always say when, if you have a really tight cash flow or tight budget, then every dollar counts. So you really are thinking about how can I squeeze every dollar either out of a launch or how can I squeeze every dollar out of my expenses and my spending? If you have a position where, and the goal is to get everybody to this, where they've got some discretionary, right? You have a lot more flexibility and that flexibility or freedom, right? Where it's like, not every dollar matters. We don't have to worry about every dollar. It doesn't matter how much you spend on eating out versus groceries at that stage. It's sort of like, just as long as you're in this range, you know, you're fine. But because at that stage, you can really probably be hitting your goals and still have some freedom and flexibility in there as well, where not every dollar counts. That's where we, we hope to get everybody to is that level. It's just, it's easier, right? So you can still be in control, but you're not in such a level of control that you're focused on like tracking every dollar. Absolutely. Oh, love that. And that, and it's again, interesting because it's some of these things that you say, when, you know, you've personally helped me improve some of the ways that I, you know, look at money, manage money as well. I love the work that you do. I mean, I'm fascinated. You know, my work is a lot more around somebody's relationship with money per se. Mm -hmm. And as you know, right, that mindset growing up and what were those influences? You come in with these very, you know, practical, practical. Like it's mm -hmm. the very practical application of how do you, you know, make your money work for you, set budgets, you know, set goals, kind of, and make it fun. I think that's the, totally. the, the massive difference that you bring to this is that you make it fun. When you talk about, and I think about my own relationship with money growing up and watching my mother, this was a fairly, fairly young memory I have of my mother sitting over the dining room table, stressing out about the their home budget. Mm -hmm. uh, my dad was the spender. She was the frugal one and she had four kids and she didn't earn any money. So I mean, she was dependent on, you know, his paycheck to kind of make it all work in the house and watching that stress that she went through with the budget. And that's my early childhood memory was where every, and because it wasn't dollars, I lived in the UK at the time, but every pound and penny counted. Yes. And so for me, I didn't realize for a long time, I had carried that through my life and I didn't want to experience that level of stress and that level of restriction, right. which drove me into avoiding it, right? Because I was I just gonna say, well, if you think that managing your money, that's what it looks like. That that's the only way to do it is managing your money is sitting there for hours tracking and categorizing and stressing and worrying and, you know, trying to get every little dollar out of it. Yeah. I mean, then it makes it so you're like, well, I don't want to do that. So my alternative is to just hope for the best 
and not worry about it sort of add in the sand right let's have the ostrich approach which as we know doesn't get us very far so you've built a say an amazing brand um really successful business impacting hundreds you know if not thousands of people's lives at this point but i'm just curious you know as like to tap into the business side of things for a while what are some of the you know what have been some of the top like strategies that you've used to actually grow your business i would say the first one is messy action so i don't think that the way business works is that it's learn and then do I think it's do and then learn. So I think, you know, as a control enthusiast myself, um, I used to try and really map it all out first, have it all done and figured out and, you know, every step of the process outlined, and then I would launch and um, it never goes as planned anyway. Right. And there's only so much you can sort of anticipate when you've never done something before. And I think really early on, I just figured out that if I dive in, I'm gonna learn a lot faster. I'm gonna figure some things out a lot faster than trying to research and do all these things on the front end. And I think it served me really well, actually. Yeah, it certainly has served you really well. Is there anything else that kind of stands out in terms of, you know, again, strategies or or even a key mindset that, you know, mm-hmm. you've really had is like an approach that's like helped you grow. And now, come, you know, you are scaling your business now. You're in that phase. I got to have so many, Vanessa. I will say one, there are some pivotal times in my business where it's like, you know, things are going good. And then there's a point where you can see it skyrocket, right? Mm-hmm. Like the... One of those is investing in coaching for myself. So that is one of those moments where as soon as I did that, things just, the momentum took off, right? Um, Having somebody that can help you see what you can't see for yourself. And it's so funny because I can coach other people oftentimes so much better than I can coach myself. And I think that's true for so many of us. I also learned through that process that I... I process things and decisions by talking through it, not writing it out or journaling it or anything like that. My husband always says that I think with my mouth open. That's, you know, as you know, with Colby, that's something that comes from a type of thing. Yeah. Um, And so always having a coach that I can talk through things with, process things out loud um, has been really incredible for me. And if anything, I just wish I would have done it sooner in my business. Yeah, it's interesting because I was actually talking about you, I mean, to, to a, a new client that we're working with right now. And I said, there were so many parallels in terms of when you and I started working together, which was quite some years ago now. Uh, little Carmen, I mean, she was mm-hmm. baby. Yeah. She was, she was nine months old when I met you. Yeah, and she's yeah, nine five months. and a half now. Oh my gosh. So, because I remember it wasn't even her first birthday. Yeah. And, you know, very tapped out in time at the time. And that calendar, mm-hmm. and I always remember, you know, you actually sending me over like a screenshot of your calendar because, yeah. you know, you were, you were concerned that I would not believe you that, you know, you were so back to back. And I absolutely believed you because I know that that's what a lot of women do, right? We just get ourselves... Mm-hmm. We keep serving and we want to make a difference. And we're very typically passionate about what we do when we land on that thing. And so, yes, we do it to the detriment of self. And I know that we had a conversation, which I think is really helpful for this podcast, which is in terms of at the time you were concerned that 
we couldn't leverage what you were doing and kind of put it into groups, right? If you remember, because Mm -hmm. there was a mindset there that, well, people wouldn't want to talk about money, something Mm. with money. Oh yeah. Do you remember that? I mean, Oh yeah. I I mean, I've had so many like what felt like minor limiting beliefs, but they were having a very significant impact on my business model or the, the vision that I had for my business. And one of them was that money is a private thing and people won't want to talk publicly about it. And you really challenged me on that. We did, I did end up launching a group program and I will say that through that journey, one thing that I learned that has carried me forward in a lot of other ways in the business is that I am the leader and my clients will take their lead from me. So if I am open and creating a space where it's acceptable to talk about money in front of others, then they will buy into that and they will show up in that way and they will keep it private amongst the group and support one another and share openly. And so if I don't think that's possible, then of course my clients are not going to think it's possible. And there have been so many times since that moment that that's the lesson I learned from that. It's not, the the lesson I learned is not, you can talk about money, right? Like that was one of them. The lesson I learned is, I'm the leader and I'm going to set the culture and the tone for like what's acceptable in this family of clients that I've created. Beautiful. Right. And again, it's like making it okay. And what I, that's what I love about the, again, the work that you've done that's really led to, you know, scaling your business as well is you're normalizing this conversation mm-hmm. because the reality is right. We know for well, most people have got money messes when you have to look at the state of, you know, what the country is in and debt and credit card debt and all the rest of it. But to create a container or a community where you normalize that conversation and then give people the tools is so, so incredibly powerful. Um, So what was, you know, you've talked about, you know, the the experience of your mother fighting bankruptcy Mm -hmm. growing up. Was there anything else in terms of, you know, what informed your own relationship with money growing up or early childhood experiences? You know, I do talk a lot about my mother because that's where a lot of my passion for this work comes from. But oddly enough, and I don't even know if we've ever talked about this, Vanessa, but I, my childhood is that my parents were divorced. And so we would go, you know, spend split custody with both my parents. And while my mom was very stressed financially, my dad was the opposite, actually. So he was actually doing very well financially, but he was the type of person that spent as much as he made and sort of spent not according to his values, but was sort of like what everybody else was spending their money on. So the crazy thing for me, the beautiful gift that they gave me is that it taught me really early on that your stress or your satisfaction in your life with money is not actually connected to how much you're making. It's Mm -hmm. connected to how you are spending it because I had two very clear pictures in front of me, very different income levels, all of that. And yet I would say that neither of them at that time uh, were fulfilled financially. Mm. So cool, right? Mm -hmm. Stress is not linked to actually what you're making, but what you're spending. Mm -hmm. And And how you're spending it. And how you're spending it, right? Mm -hmm. I love that. Do you, I'm just curious, and I'm kind of going off on a tangent now as I tend to here, because I don't know if this is American or an English, but do you have the saying over here, keep up with the Joneses? Oh, yes. Keep up with the Joneses. Yes. Okay, because I, I knew that was something that we grew up with. As I, said. I don't know if that translates across the ocean. 
But right, again, so many of us can feel really, especially around money and finances, right, that we've got to be keeping up with what everybody else is doing. Yep. Um, And then we spend our money and then feel as if it's not the best thing for, it's not going to give us the most happiness really. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you've got a thousand dollars to spend, there's so many different things you could spend that thousand dollars on. Right. And we tell our clients all the time, my goal is not to get you to spend that thousand dollars on whatever I think is best. I'm going to spend my thousand dollars on what I personally think is best. My job as your coach is to help you identify what you think is going to be best for your life. And then we're, you know, coach you on spending that thousand dollars on that thing, not what someone else is doing, not what even a different client is doing, because that's totally irrelevant to me. Mm, And how do you get them to measure the, like defining what's best for them? Let's say, because I think this is really fascinating. Got a thousand dollars. What's the kind of criteria for them that they've spent it in the best way for them? Uh, There's a couple of different things that we do. Um, So before that, chances are we're going to have conversations about their values, their goals. And even before that, we're going to kind of say, where are you right now? Like, what is your current spending look like? And then what, how, how happy do you feel? How satisfied? We'll have them score usually on a scale of one to five. We'll say one being not at all, five being couldn't be any better. How do you feel about this current budget that, you know, we take a look at, here's exactly where your money's going. How does that make you feel? If you're super happy with where your money's currently going, we don't need to challenge it a whole lot. We don't need to question what you're doing with it. If though you are below a four on that scale of one to five, we have some work to do because I want you to be at a five. I want every client to look at it and be and say to themselves, I am doing the absolute best that I can with the money that I have. That is what I want them to be able to say. And so we always start with like, let's score where you're currently at. That's kind of our starting point. Then we have a conversation about values and what's most important to you and thinking about, you know, you're a hundred years old and you're looking back on your life. What is it that you want to say you spent your time, money, and energy on? So it's not even just a financial question because we can oftentimes spend money to free up time, right? Or spend money to free up our energy. And so we want to look at all of those things and we have a really deep conversation about what that looks like. And a lot of times people will say things like family or, you know, if they're religious, they'll say God or travel. And then we talk about why, where does that come from? What does that look like? When you say family, are you talking about like buying your 16 year old a new car or, you know, is it spending quality time with them and having that time? So we really have a conversation about what that looks like for them. Uh, And then our goal is to figure out how can we put as much money behind those things as possible? And then we rescore it. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? So we're always checking in and saying, so how are you feeling? What's this look like? If you, you know, this is what it was for a while, right? How would that feel for you? Mm, That's So. so good. It reminds me of an exercise. One of my earlier mentors around money had us working on, which was literally going through, you know, line items in bank accounts or credit cards, um, and at the time I was using credit cards a lot more than I actually do today. And, <laughs> and it really was, right? I've got massive progress, Kelsa, like night and day. But again, there, that was that, you know, really going through subjectively and how do I feel about, as you say, all of those, you know, expenses? Yeah. And which ones did I feel joyful around? And then honestly, which ones did I feel possibly very neutral around? And even which yep. ones did I feel shame around? Yeah, that's exactly what we'll do. So once we identify 
someone's values, we actually will go line by line and say, let's highlight all of the things that are not supporting a value because it's not, because what we're, what we want to do is we want to question those items and we don't want to question it because you can't afford it because oftentimes you can, you can absolutely spend your money on that. If you want to, it's not an affordability question. It's a question around, is that the best use of that money? Is that bringing you as much joy? If you were to instead take the money that's going towards that expense and put it towards this other thing that you say is important to you, would that feel better to you? How would that feel? How would your life, what would the impact of a decision like that be? So it's not coming from a place of sacrifice. It's not coming from a place of um, like severe discipline, if you will. It's coming from a place of, I'm choosing to redirect that because it's a, there's a better place for it. It's coming from a place of empowerment, not disempowerment. Totally. Totally. And I think that was what that exercise taught me was like, oh my gosh, there's so many things that I'm actually, I'm being very reactive. I'm not really thinking through this. And then when I look at it after the fact, I'm like, eh. Um, (laughs) But again, I think it's just such a powerful exercise for anybody to really go through. Um, Is there any, you know, been any coming back to the business side of things, you know, any real challenging moments in your business that you've experienced so far? I mean, we've all had certain things that have gone on and any particular lessons that you've drawn from it. How many episodes do we have to cover? I know, right? Like, (laughs) we go for like six months. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so I, my business now is 12 years old and I, you know, have had a lot of challenging moments over those times. And I think one good thing that comes from experience is you sort of learn how to ride the wave a little bit and know like how to quickly identify I'm being challenged by this. I'm, I can solve this and uh, put some systems in place to overcome it. But at first those challenges feel do or die, right? They feel like, am I a failure? Am I not cut out for this? Like it can really send you down like a self-doubt spiral. Um, I'm glad to say that doesn't happen so much anymore, but um, I will say that I do think with business in general, sort of like the new level, new devil, right? So it seems like every time I was up leveling or doing something, there was a new challenge there. So, I mean, at every stage I can think of something. Um, Some of the ones initially were listening to others too much and thinking that other people knew what I should do for my business. So a lot of the like, oh, you should do this, or why don't you do it this way? And not trusting my intuition or my gut or my own instincts early enough in business. That was a big one. And so it's sort of like chasing different ideas just because other people thought they were good ideas. Yeah. Yeah. And not giving yourself the time and credit to really listen and feel into what you wanted. Yes. Um, I will say not valuing or placing enough value on my services that I was offering. And that came from this, um, limiting belief that the impact I was having was only financial early on. Mm -hmm. Right. So it was like looking at, well, if I save a client $500 a month, then I should charge $500 a month or less. Right. Like that was the only, like, it was a calculation, I guess, in my mind versus if they're saving $500 a month and more of their money is going towards what they really cherish and they're seeing their dreams come true in front of them and they're present with their children and they're feeling better and they're sleeping better and they're, you know, feeling in control of their life again because they're in control of their money. You know, it, it transitioned me to feeling like it was a calculation versus, I mean, I feel like what we do is priceless. Mm-hmm. I, I do feel like that. I feel like that was the gift that that gave me. Um, and 
not understanding how that worked really early on was a really challenging thing for me. Yeah, I think you speak to a lot of challenges for a lot of, again, women, you know, some women business owners as well, Ken, that's who I primarily work with. I mean, we can get into that second guessing, doubting ourselves, comparing, right, getting overly influenced. And then, as you say, not really seeing the bigger scope of, you know, the value that we're providing and the value that we're providing across multiple areas of somebody's life. Um, And not only that, you know, like the changes, you know, that you help people make the transformations rather, I should say, because they really are, they are transformative, right? Yes. Over the months, over the years. It's like, once we make those shifts, we don't go back again. So, I mean, it's, you know, again, if you work with some in the same way that we do, if we work with somebody for six months or a year, um, it's still going to keep giving, right, for years and years to come. So that's when we start to really get grounded in, yeah, a much bigger value proposition, which typically in turn boosts our confidence and absolutely show up for our business in in a better way. Yeah. Um, I am. I, I do remember, and if you were, there was one time, and I remember again around mindset, and it was a very interesting conversation that you and I had around some limiting beliefs that were coming up as you were taking the business to the next level and now yeah. you know, Michael's you know, in the business and it's really going and you're building team and everything. And we were having a conversation around you know, really what does it look like for you to be generating more revenue right, and receiving more in the business. And all of a sudden you, underco- you, you know, uncovered rather another kind of limiting oh, yeah. belief that was lurking under the surface. I just remember at the time, because you said, Oh my gosh, like I, I do this, I do this work all day long with people. And like, ah. do you remember what that was? Oh yeah, no, I totally do. And I, I've embraced this idea that it is not a matter of if you have money blocks, it's simply a matter of what they are and how intense or uh, significant of an impact are they having on your life. And so, I mean, I am a financial coach. I do this work for a living and I have money blocks too right? We all have them, every single one of us, you know, and um, mine was that if I make too much money in my business, then my children will grow up spoiled, entitled, not nice kids, that kind of thing. Yeah, brats. And, uh, and it was really limiting my income. There were, I was hitting a glass ceiling over and over and over again. There was some self-sabotage happening that I didn't even realize. Um, and it was just, I was kind of hitting that upper limit of saying, if I make too much, then my kids, you know, will grow up spoiled and entitled. And as soon as it dawned on me, right. And I can't remember if it dawned on me because of a conversation that you and I were having, or if it was a training that, you know, you, we were uh, together on, um, but it, it just like flashed in front of my eyes that that's what, it, that's what's happening right now. And talk about a game changer. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was identifying it was a game changer. One of the things that came from that is that my husband and I sat down and because rationally speaking, I know that's not true, right? Logically, I know that's not how that will work. I know that my children's values and the way they treat others and the way they think comes from us and the way we guide them. Right. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't come from the amount of money we make. Uh, so my husband and I sat down and we said, what values do we want to make sure what are, what's most important to us as a family? What do we want to 
make our family be all about, right? And we came up with our value system. We actually came up with what we call the Dickey family creed or the Dickey family sort of motto, if you will. Uh, we have it printed. We have it. We Once we came up with it, we then went to a graphic designer and said, will you design this in a really cool so we can put it in a frame? Uh, and it's, it's really and truly what we live our life by now. It's what we parent our children by, but it's really the, the foundation for what we make decisions in our business around, you know, our travel schedule, everything comes back to that Dickey family creed now. Oh my gosh. And of course, now I'm dying to know what are a couple of the key things in the Dickey family creed, because anybody listening in is going to be saying, oh my gosh, what a great way. Cause I remember that conversation and I honestly didn't know you know, kind of what happened next. I knew it was a, you know, it was a, it was a massive light bulb moment. So yeah. I was curious as to practically yeah. how you took that insight and translated yeah. it into something. Yeah. So I, I'll, I'll read it to you. So I'll read it for all the listeners. So uh, we will live with creativity, humility, and in service of others. We will be courteous in word and deed. We will set rules of respect and enforce them relentlessly. We embrace differences as beautiful and seek to not only understand, but to appreciate we will greet and acknowledge each other and we will use please and thank you because basic courtesies create a tone of warmth and respect. We will address incivility. We will be in a constant state of evolution, continuously growing our minds and hearts and we will continue to seek joy. Mm. And I, I tear, I'm like kind of getting emotional reading that because I do feel that to my core. Like I feel like we are trying so hard every day to embody that and teach our children to live their life that way. And I know you are. Hey, I'm tearing up listening, <laughs> but it's beautiful. And what I, you know, what I think is just so good about that is you've, you're consciously creating who you want to be in the world, right? Mm -hmm. And irrespective of money. Yeah. Um, and that's the piece that I think so many people, I mean, this could be kind of a whole other podcast, Kelsa, right? For us. <laughs> <laughs> But I know, and again, it comes back to the title of this podcast, The Get Rich Without Being a Bitch, was because I was concerned that in order to get ahead and be more successful and live this richer, let's say, bigger life that I wanted to live, that I had to become some cold-hearted bitch because those were the role models that I had. Yeah. And then there was a day as well where my insight was like, oh my gosh, like, that's a story um there were roots to that story that had you know come from family and you know other people's kind of expectations that you know had been handed down to me and it really became around no I get to create who I want to be mm -hmm. right as my business grows as Absolutely. I financial success and ease and it was also acknowledging that you know I, I want to do that you know consciously and really consciously create the next level of me, right? So that absolutely, and I can live into that. And you've just, you know, you've taken it, as, you know, multiple steps further yeah. there because you've like you've really set it up as your family creed. So yeah, yeah. Thank you for. Oh my gosh, just oh. <laughs> you're welcome. And I know you. Um, I listened to your podcast episodes. I know you always ask the question of like, what does it mean? What does get rich without being a bitch mean? And I really thought about that so hard knowing that I was coming on this because I think there's some canned answers that are easy. It's freedom and choices and, and all of that is true. It, it is. And it, it is actually deeper for me. It's, it allows me to be much more selfless. It allows me to put other people and kind of live my life according to that creed 
because I have money to support those things. Mm. Right. So money to me is like just the tool or the fuel that goes towards all of those things being possible. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I would say, right? We can't, we can't give from an empty cup. Right. Um, and that's what's always interesting is so many people actually, when they are struggling or, you know, they'll, they'll come from a place of resentment and women, yes, we might start to feel like we're getting bitchy, but again, once we've got more abundance, we can be more generous. We can actually, totally. as you say, wholeheartedly pay it forwards and dedicate mm -hmm. time, energy, and resources to the things we really care about. 100%. So thank you for sharing. I've got one last question. I'm going to dive into the quick seven because I do want to know, what are you working on today that you're really excited about? You know, I thought, God, my default could be like, oh, we have this project and we have these retreats and we have this. And I'm excited about all those like projects that we have. But I wanted to take this answer in a little different direction because there is something that I'm working on personally, um, that I'm really excited about. And it is learning to trust my team more. This is something that is a work in progress for me. I tend, my default tends to be, I come up with an idea, you know, Vanessa, you and I do not have a shortage of ideas for our businesses. Like <laughs> And, and they're all great ideas. I love all of my ideas. Of that course, I come they're up with. always great <laughs> ideas, Kelsa. Of course. Yeah. But my first, my default thought is, how am I going to make that happen? And I'm really, I feel right now that I have the best team. I have the best people in the best role for them. I, we are firing on all cylinders. We all love working together. We love the work that we're doing. And I'm really trying hard to shift my default question to who on my team is best to implement this idea. So what I'm working on is not necessarily a project because I'm actually trying to remove myself from saying I'm the one doing the projects and I'm excited about them. I'm trying to find my excitement and live through seeing the people on my team be the creators. Mm. Well, that's a leadership project, right? Mm -hmm. Really, Right. That's where. Thank you for that reframe. Yes, you're right. It is. Yes. It's, you know, if we wanted to kind of put it in a, in a bucket, it's really about leadership mm -hmm. and, you know, that next level of business is we acknowledging that we can't do it all. There are actually other people that probably have better, do have an inevitably better skill sets. Oh, right. And if we yeah. really, really, really want to have this much bigger impact in the world, the only way that we get to do that is through other people. Yes. So no, thank you. Cause that's, that feels very pertinent. And uh, in fact, going through something similar myself right now, you know, mm -hmm. we're expanding the team and I am pinching myself with the, oh my gosh, like I am feeling so blessed and so supported with all of these amazing people. And again, still that, as you said, like next level, new, kind of next level, next devil, new devil, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Same old devil sometimes. Right, yeah. Right, same old devil of, oh my gosh, right, this is a whole other level of trusting and letting go and Absolutely. really stepping into my zone of genius, right? Which mm -hmm. is what I'm always, always sharing with our clients. So mm -hmm. it's never evolving. When you're a growth junkie, it's all. <laughs> So let's go into our quick seven. So fill in the blank. Living richly means? Being able to positively impact and live, embody my family creed. Beautiful. Best 100%. 100%. Best $100 you spent recently and why? Ooh, a new bikini and it is fabulous. And I went from 
seven months ago being like, please don't make me buy a bikini. I do not want to buy one. Please don't make me take a picture with one. No one wants to see that to give me all the bikinis. I want to own all of them. I own like six now and I just love them. I'm super proud of, I'm turning 40 and I'm healthier at 40 than I was at 30 and I'm loving it. You should be super proud because you are looking amazing. You're an inspiration you. to me. Every time I see you in them, I'm like, okay, I'm going to stand next to her. In a <laughs> Uh, a book or a podcast that's been highly influential for you? Uh, truly anything by Brene Brown. I gobble up everything she puts out. So whether you want to check out her podcast or any of her books, I think they're all amazing. Don't even overthink which one, just pick one and dive in. Yeah, couldn't agree more. She's absolutely mm-hmm. my hero. You feel the calling to your next level of leadership and you're scared. What's the next thing you do? Two things. The first thing is I tell everyone about it. And the reason I do that is I have figured out that I do really great with external accountability. So I really, if I put it out there, even if no one ever asks me about it, I have this thought that maybe they will. And it just kind of keeps me going and seeing other people excited and bought in just kind of gets me motivated and all of that. Um, the other thing about that is Uh, The second thing is I have discovered about myself that I am really motivated by the naysayers, the people who say you can't do that. My initial thought is challenge accepted. And so, or watch me and it kind of fuels me. And so, or at least kind of like carries me over that initial hump of like the initial research phase or all the, like, don't have any of it figured out yet phase, which can be a little overwhelming. It kind of gets me going. And so those are the things that I do. Because I, I totally see it, right? Declare it, as you say, if we, you know, declaring it kind of puts it out there. And then if we want, we hold ourselves accountable. But I love that you're actually using the naysayers piece to motivate you not to stop you. Yes. And I've seen that in your marketing recently, by the way. And it's juicy mm-hmm. and it's gritty and it's definitely got this new edge. Oh, good. I yeah. love that. So I, because again, we can use it to take ourselves down and fuel self doubt. Or as you say, it's like, <laughs> well, and talk about new level, new devil. I mean, the, sort of more uh, name awareness that I have, sort of the, one of the things that comes from that are trolls, right? And just something, it was something that if you would have asked me a few years ago, Vanessa, what is a fear that I have about becoming too successful? It would have been that. It would have been like the haters or getting the messages or not being able to please everybody or knowing that like, you're gonna have the people who don't love what you're doing. And it definitely happened in the last year. You know, we, we've, had a very big year. And if anything, I, the opposite happened. I thought it would have, you know, stopped me from sort of becoming even more successful, but if anything, it has fueled me in a whole new way. So. Oh, I love that. That is so juicy. Something you wish you were better at. Yeah. Transparently. I wish I was better at turning my brain off and resting. So that is, um, last year I got healthy. I lost weight and my next step of growth with self-care and, just overall wellness and well-being is working on um, resting and sort of bringing more flow or calm to my my energy, if you will. Beautiful. And what's on your bucket list that you'd like to achieve within the next three years? I want to buy a cabin in the woods so I have a place to rest and relax and rejuvenate. (laughs) (laughs) That totally makes sense. That's very aligned. Um, What's something you are deeply grateful for today? You know, I get, I've been asked this question so many times over the last 10 years, and I am really proud to say that my answer is always the same and I feel it deeply and it's my husband. 
Mm. He's just, you know, Vanessa, I'm married to the most incredible man and so supportive in all ways. And we are a great team. I feel that we're a great team in business. We're a great team as parents. We, you know, have been married for 16 years now and it's an amazing ride. So getting up there, that's not mm -hmm. too far off the 20. And I agree, oh, no. he is amazing. I'm, I'm a massive fan and I just think you're a fabulous couple Thank as you. well. So Thank you. Uh, one, just in closing, and I honestly could talk to you all day long about this, but if there was, you know, one nugget of wisdom that you would love to send to our audience, somebody that's looking to take their impact, their influence, their gifts to the next level, what's the nugget of wisdom that you would want to impart? Um, gosh, as one control enthusiast to another, possibly, um, done is better than perfect mm. because it, I think if we're so focused on it being perfect, you will not get your dream out there. And something about getting it out there and getting that feedback, seeing the, you know, revelation that your clients experience or seeing your art in someone else's hands or in someone else's office. I think it's those little things that keep you going, especially at first that bring the business purpose through all of those challenging times. And, um, so taking action, getting it done, getting it out there and not worrying about it being perfect. You have a lifetime of business to tweak, tweak, tweak. Tweak, tweak, tweak. Yes. <laughs> Same with me. 16 years, I think it is now in business and we're still tweaking. Still tweaking. Absolutely. <laughs> and by the way, still winging some things and still mm -hmm. figuring it out, right? It's like, like we, don't, we don't have all the answers. So I think that's just excellent wisdom. Mm -hmm. Kelsa, always amazing. Um, some of our listeners, we're going to make sure that they get your contact details anyway in the show notes today. And I really encourage you to reach out to Kelsa and her team. But what are just a quick way that if somebody's listening and they say, okay, love to get in contact and learn more about your work. How's the way that they can do that? Yeah, the probably the easiest way because everything else is on the website uh, is fiscal fitness phx.com. So you can follow me on Instagram. We've got a Facebook group where we've got great conversations about money because we embrace that. And it's a super supportive, happy, encouraging group. And uh, yeah, check it out. Fiscalfitnessphx.com. Perfect. Have a wonderful weekend, my friend. Mm -hmm, and, you too. and thank you for just sharing so generously today as well. Sure.